Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each of us. Peace be with you. Friends, notice please how the gospel for today commences. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Well, anyone who's clued into biblical spirituality knows things are off to a very bad start. Whenever we commence to tell Jesus what we want him to do for us, we are ipso facto in a bad spiritual space. Think of um, Martha, you know, in the famous story, Martha and Mary, who tells Jesus what to do. You should be doing this. That's automatically the wrong space to be in. As I've often said, your life is not about you. We have to move from the ego drama to the theodrama, from the play that we are writing, directing, and starring in to the play that God is directing. So the proper biblical attitude is always, speak, Lord, I'm listening. You tell me what to do. It's not I who've chosen you, you've chosen me. See, that reversal is just fundamental in a biblical spirituality. So, right away, we're prepared for things to go badly, and they do. So listen now, as Jesus' patience says, okay, what do you want me to do for you? They say, grant that in your glory we may sit, one at your right and the other at your left. They're asking, of course, for two of the classic four substitutes for God. Wealth, pleasure, power, and honor. They're asking specifically for the last two, for power and honor. They want to be in these thrones of glory, these thrones of power, when Jesus comes into his his own. Now, to be fair to them, their request makes a certain amount of sense within their Jewish framework. The Messiah was indeed expected to be a new David, and David was indeed a man of tremendous power and honor. So, why not expect a little share in the two when Jesus, the new David, comes into his glory? And again, to be fair to them, human beings have been attracted to these goods from time immemorial. Notice, please, I call them goods for they are indeed good in themselves. What's power but the capacity to get things done? Without power, uh, nothing of value would ever have been accomplished. Let's face it, Franklin Roosevelt had to get hold of the reins of power in order to bring our country through a very difficult moment. Same is true of Lincoln. Lincoln was a highly ambitious man by all accounts. 
And Lincoln had to seize uh, power in order to accomplish what he did, the saving of our country. Same is true of Churchill in a decisive moment. Same is true, by the way, of the greatest discoverers, the greatest inventors, and in fact, the greatest spiritual figures. Don't think for a moment that Mother Teresa didn't have real power and that she didn't know how to use it. I mean, she did. Talk to anyone who knew Mother Teresa. She knew the power she wielded in her lifetime, and she knew how to use it. Same was true, go back centuries now, Francis of Assisi, Catherine of Siena, Bernard of Clairvaux, to name just a few. And one of the most remarkable displays of real spiritual power in our own time, John Paul II who knew precisely what he was doing when he brought down one of the most powerful empires in human history without leading an army or firing a shot. That's someone, you know, read the biographies of John Paul, someone that had a very canny sense of his own power and knew how to use it. So my point is, power is not in itself a bad thing. Same is true of honor. Honor is a good Thomas Aquinas says that honor is the flag of virtue. It's a, it's a cool definition, I think. It's a flag that we put on virtue to say, hey, look at this. So we honor somebody who's morally upright. We honor someone who's a great inventor. We honor a sports figure. It's a way of saying, look, there's a virtue here. There's some worthwhile, admirable thing here. It's a way of signaling to others something that's worth noticing. See, and that's the key thing with honor, by the way. Honor is never for the one who's honored. Honor is for the sake of the other who might notice the virtue in question. And so, you know, we legitimately honor all sorts of people who have accomplished or embodied things worth noticing. Sports stars, Political figures, entertainers even, legitimately, in the measure they show, show forth some good and beautiful thing. And in the church, we're very interested in honor, aren't we? We honor the saints. We honor, above all, the Blessed Mother. So, what's the problem? What's the problem with these two disciples? The problem is they are asking for these two good things, but in the wrong way. Or more precisely, in the wrong spirit. When the ego grabs power and honor for themselves, things get dangerous and dysfunctional very quickly. You know, it's interesting in the course of my lifetime, there have been famous um, interviews with politicians who are running for president. And when an interviewer asks, why do you want to be president? And the person hems <laughs> and haws. See, that's a serious problem. Because it means that they want this thing. They want the power and honor, but for their own sake. If someone can say, no, look, here's why I want to be president. Because I want to accomplish A, B, C, D for the sake of the people. Well, at least they know that they're using power for something other than aggrandizing their own egos. See, because the ego will want to use power, not for God's purposes, or in the service of truth, beauty, and goodness, but for its own 
exaltation and defense. Watch what happens. And you see it, I mean, up and down the centuries. Watch what happens when spiritually immature people come into power. Whether in politics or the arts or the church, they wreak havoc in short order. And you know what I'm talking about. I mean, someone who's not together spiritually, and they suddenly get power. Watch out. Watch out. I've often uh, drawn attention to the, the great story of Joseph in the Old Testament. This kid who was, you know, full of himself, annoyed his brothers. Now, his brothers are, are no charmers themselves, but I mean, Joseph was a very immature person. Suppose at that stage of his life, he had been given power and honor. Well, he would have been a disaster. He would have used it for precisely the wrong purpose. What he had to go through, of course, was a long spiritual training and discipline so that when he finally achieved power and honor, he was able to do something really great with them. But someone spiritually immature, they become manipulative, cruel, oppressive, overbearing. History gives countless examples, I mean, from Julius Caesar and Herod to Napoleon and Stalin and Paul Pot. Writers of fiction, by the way, love to explore this crooked spiritual dynamic. Think of characters from Macbeth to King Joffrey, for those who like Game of Thrones. People that were seeking power and honor for their own sake. Lord Acton, in the 19th century, famously said that absolute power corrupts absolutely. And the adage applies when we're talking about the misuse of power. In fact, the more absolute that twisted power becomes, the more dangerous it becomes. Now, in a similar way, in regard to honor, when honor is sought for its own sake or simply in order to puff up the ego, it becomes very dangerous as well. The person who's drunk on recognition, titles, privileges, being noticed and praised will, in short order, do anything to attain this status. He will lie, manipulate, engage in character assassination, even kill in extreme cases, to get the honor he craves. Here's something else when it comes to honor. During all of this, he becomes less and less free. I want you to think about this for a second. You know, we're such a freedom-loving culture, right? But the more you are beholden to the recognition of those around you, the less free you are. See how someone who's, who's addicted to honor, their whole life now is just beholden to other people, to their opinion, to their reaction. They, they could be the, they do the best things, be the most virtuous, but if the crowd doesn't like them, they won't be satisfied. They are slaves of the opinion of others. Do you see how a saint in this regard is the freest person around? There's a whole sermon, by the way, in that sometime. The saint is the freest person around. So, what's the way out of all this? Well, in other versions in the Gospels of this story, Jesus takes a little child, places him in their midst, 
showing thereby someone who, especially in the culture of his time, had no power and no honor. See, we tend to get kind of romantic in regard to um, children, but in that time, a child had nothing. It was the lowest possible rank, no honor, no power. But he's the one I want you to look at. Why? Because he's not someone addicted to these two things for their own sake. In our gospel today, he says, whoever wishes to be first among you will be the slave of all. Whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant. This is not, everybody, a perversion or some sort of willful distortion. It's spiritual common sense. When you serve others, when you become the least, you are accessing the power of God. And you're seeking the honor of God. And that's real power and real honor. You know, St. Ignatius famously told us, agere contra, right, to act against. If you're hung up on power and honor, the best thing to do is agere contra, seek the opposite. Seek the lowest place on purpose. Seek the least honored place on purpose. Think of that child Jesus places in their midst. If you're addicted to these two things, think of that child. Adjure contra. Or another way to put it, seek power for God's sake. Seek honor for God's sake. Then you'll be fine. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.